Hello, welcome back to Viewfinders. I'm your host, Graham Dargie, and I want to start off this week by taking a minute to say a big thank you um, to everyone who's listened to the show these last few weeks. Um, the response to the first few weeks of the podcast has really been incredible, and you know, it, it takes a, a lot of time and effort to put these podcasts together, um, and you don't know how it's going to go. Just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge everybody. There's been hundreds of downloads great response to the really amazing guests that I've had on the show and so I'm just feeling really grateful about that so I wanted to drop that in today. I also wanted to let you know what I've been up to the last week or so and maybe I'll make this a regular thing on the show. Um, This last week I've had a few great conversations for future episodes um, with some brilliant photographers from around the world. Um, I spoke with Eric Paré, he's a light painting photographer from Montreal, uh, probably, well, to me, the best in the world at what he does with light painting. A really interesting episode. You're going to hear that probably in January. Um, I also spoke to Brian Hodges. He's a travel and documentary photographer from California, lives in Australia. Um, I love this guy's photography and you're going to love it as well. And we had a really incredible conversation well, he gave an incredible conversation, you know, an insight into what he does and why he does it and some of the amazing experiences he's had in Papua New Guinea and Uganda, Brazil, Mexico. Really interesting guy. So I'm really excited to share that with you. And uh, the other one that I recorded this week was with a headshot photographer from London called John Clark. And uh, John must be the best at what he does in London. I'm convinced of that having looked around tons of experience but a really interesting guy so i'm really looking forward to sharing that one as well also in the last couple of weeks uh, i did a camera club talk uh, on zoom as is the way nowadays and uh, had a couple of photography jobs as well did like an industrial thing here in aberdeen um, and i just did a headshot shoot at the weekend for a performance like a casting headshot um, which was really good fun shoot as well Uh, so that's what i've been up to in this last week or so so um, how about you? What have you been up to? What have you been photographing? Um, I'd love to connect with you. If you want to find me on Instagram, YouTube and Facebook, that would be great. And uh, reach out and let me know that you find me through the podcast. And uh, I'd love to see your photography there too. So drop me a line. Before we start, let me invite you to share the show with your photography friends. Subscribe on your favorite platform. And if you like, leave a five star review. That's the best way to help me get the show in front of more listeners. And it's really, really appreciated. Okay, on to today's show. My guest this week is Nick Tucker. Uh, Nick is a wedding photojournalist based in East Sussex in England. And uh, Nick was named as one of the top 30 rising stars in world wedding photography by Rangefinder magazine. Um, He approaches his work from a storytelling angle and his photojournalistic style captures all the quirks and eccentricities of his client's wedding day as he shoots what he calls the high-end snapshot. Our conversation covers Nick's previous career working for Banksy, how he got into wedding photography, and the advice that gave him the confidence to shoot his own unique style. This follows on nicely from my chat with Valda Bailey last week, because Nick's wedding photography lies out with the mainstream, wherever you're at with your photography, especially if you feel the call to shoot something a little bit differently, I'm sure you're going to take something away from this episode. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Nick Tucker. Hi, Nick. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Graham. Thank you very much. So are you based in London? Is that right? 
Um, I'm actually, I've just recently moved out um, to the South Coast, but um, all my work or when my work exists is basically London based. Yeah. Okay. And so how far is that for you now? Um, so I live near Hastings um, in East Sussex. So um, about an hour and a half into London. So it's okay. easy commute really if, if it's, you know, once a week for, you know, the glorified Saturday job that, it, that, that weddings are. Okay, <laughs> I'm sure that that we all know there's more to it than that. But um, <laughs> uh, okay, well, I'll ask you before we get into it to uh, introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your photography. Yeah, so uh, I'm Nick Tucker, uh, pr- um, primarily wedding photographer, but, uh, weddings uh, and events, I guess, high end parties. They would be. Um, I've been doing this for pretty much ten years now. Um, we have a mutual friend and. Um, Hazel and she's a friend of mine she's my very good friend here and uh, she's been in the wedding industry as well Mm. and uh, when I was looking for a wedding photographer for the slot for this show um, I didn't look anywhere else Hazel has so much uh, good things to say about you and so I I thought well we'll go with Nick and when I look at your photography it's not your standard wedding photography Um, to me it seems it's got a very photojournalistic kind of vibe um, a very authentic feel and I would say um, there's a, a real intimacy to it which I think um, comes from to the way that you shoot which yeah. we'll kind of get into later but before photography um, you were a writer is that right can you tell us a bit about that career yeah yeah so I was a struggling writer um, for the most part um, I had an agent I was writing or attempting to write novels um, from sort of my late twenties uh, through to thirties, um, you know, I had an agent, and I had two books that were nearly sold to two publishing houses, um, but ultimately they weren't. Uh, so, so then I was sort of you know kicking my you know kicking tires on um, in in the writing for for a long time. But then I did have um, one little kind of. Um, interesting phase when I see you've got a kind of um, a Banksy image behind you mm. on your wall I, I wrote for Banksy for a little while which was which was fun so do are you do you know the real identity or how no. does that work no because I I, I when I joined them um, it's more than one person really when I joined when I joined them um, he was already the mythical Banksy figure um, so they were very protective and very guarded about his identity, even even with people working for him, so there was an inner circle and an outer circle, um, and I was only ever allowed in as far as the outer circle. Okay, so is that um, just a conscious thing that they're doing just to build mystery and intrigue around the brand? I think it absolutely is. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's very successful. I, mean, I think you know they're a team. Um, they're certainly a, a central guy with you know who. who started at all but I mean they're now an ideas team they're an arts team you know it's not it's not it's not one person and mm. that person you know is in his 50s which doesn't you know which doesn't play quite so well to the sort of the, the sort of the woke maverick image I think that we have mm. um, I think this way he stay he stays forever young you know? indeed so what um, kind of work were you doing there uh, I was writing his newsletter um, but they they would uh, at one at that one point when they were selling prints it wouldn't just be Banksy prints it would be prints for 
other artists in his sort of stable. Um, but they didn't want didn't want they didn't want a serious image. So my job was to be basically professionally sarcastic about the art and the artists that were that were coming out. Okay. So. And so, do you have uh, training in journalism or something like that? No, 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 no. It was just something that was always enjoyed. Um, uh, my um, my degree is in film, um, but you know that's you know cinema, um, MA in creative writing, um, but that was almost, almost after the fact, hoping to you know possibly teach as a result of uh, of that career, um, but sort of no training in in journalism and, and no training really in photography. And so, I was really curious to find out where your sense of narrative comes from. Is it from that film degree? Do you think? I think it's from uh, yeah the idea of storytelling. Um, I'd always wanted to be you know when it was when it was film when it was cinema. I still was the idea of screenplays. Um, so it's always been how do you tell a story? What you know small telling detail speaks for more than just simply that thing in in and of itself. Um, and I mm. think that that applies that you know that transfers across to the way that you look at people and the way you look at photographs so in terms of the film what kind of who would your big influences be in that area oh god I, I um well I was always very into sort of you know indie cinema so it, it wasn't like um I guess I mean, I mean everyone from like Patrice Leconte who was quite um you know an interesting uh, French filmmaker of the sort of, I guess, the 80s, 90s. Um, I don't really have a top 10 of, 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 of anyone. Um, just I think just images and, and ideas and ways of seeing filter in. So from, from the film to the writing, where did, where did the photography interest start in that sort of timeline? I mean, I did it as A-level. Um, but I did it fairly badly as an A level, um, and yeah, I mean, you you would look at you would look back at you know my portfolio from then, kind of think, well, yeah, I'd, I'd try something else if I were you. Um, that was all, that was all in film, um, and I think what what digital has has given people is the ability to to try and 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 to fail and for it not to cost anything. Um, mm. And to see those results straight away, without you know, the, you know, the need of a dark room or film costs. Um, so I took up film again, sort of post street art time, um, just just because I had a bit of money from it, um, and I got talked into buying a better camera than I needed as a you know hobbyist. Um, took photos put them up on Flickr at some point, you know, because Flickr was a thing back then. Um, at some point, someone said, you know, you can love your, you know, your, the images. Would you, would you photograph our wedding? Um, I said no, because that's way too much pressure. And I'd never been, I don't think I'd have really been to a wedding or seen a wedding photographer at work. But I did go along as a guest with a, you know, stupidly nice camera. Um kind of the bane of the wedding photographer's life um and just and just shoot um for them for myself um 
and whether or not they were just being kind they you know at the end at the end of it they said they preferred my photos to the guy that they paid three or four thousand pounds for um so at that point you know with with writing not really going anywhere you think well here you know here's an avenue just kicked off from there okay so were you just so i'm clear on that were you shooting that with a film camera no no that was digital that was um that was like the first uh canon 5d okay and so um those from those early shots were they still in the same would that be recognizable to the style that you're shooting now or how how have that how has it developed from there i i think you could i mean you could trace a through line um i think the way i was looking at people was probably um similar but i but um i think i did i you know i I shoot very wide now um uh and i think i didn't have you know the confidence back then to compose uh, a shot with multiple facets in it so it would be mm-hmm. much more your you know your your 50 mil um sort of closer up kind of one person you know one shot kind of deal mm. that was um really what struck me about your work because i you i can see that you're shooting with a wide lens and this to me that just makes me uncomfortable i'm an <laughs> introvert i don't want to be in people's body spaces if i'm shooting an event like that I'm hanging yeah. back with a long zoom lens and I'm going to wait and watch and pick out some moments from from back over there. Yeah. Um, and so when I when I see how close and that's what I mean by the intimacy in your shots, how how close you're into the action. Um, I just think, well, I'm impressed by that, that you can that you have the confidence to put yourself in there. Um, and also, I think the way of composing a shot with a wide lens is harder because you like you said you're going to have multiple things going on in the frame yeah um so is that you you sort of suggested that that came with with confidence so how did you journey more towards shooting closer to people with that wide lens um yeah i think it just it 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 evolved um over time There, there was no there was no conscious decision um um, you know, when I started, my you know my go-to lens was a fifty mil, um, which gives you, you know, generally tighter shots. Uh, tends to be the way that you you know you'd have one subject there. Um, but I think, but I think that you know that that works for that works for you know portraits. But then when you're at a wedding and it's a chaotic live event, um, there is much more going on. Um, so yeah, I think I just, just wanted to capture more of that, but I do remember buying a 35 mil, which obviously is not wide, wide. I remember the first time I used a 35 mil, I just, I didn't understand it. Mm. Everything seemed too far away and, um, yeah, no, I, I think I bought a 35 mil and then I put it back in the kit bag for, you know, a couple of weddings, a few months, whatever, and then took it out one day and suddenly something just clicked and i was like oh okay no i get it i get it Mm. Uh, you know um and then it just transitioned from there okay so well we'll get into your lenses and things later but um i think i'm still at that point with a wide lens i don't still don't get it but uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
<clears throat> so, um, but I, get, I think again, it comes to sort of personality as well. Are you quite happy to, quite happy and comfortable to be in in about close to people shooting like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I wouldn't say that I'm an extrovert, but um, uh, I'm not shy either. Um, and I think actually, probably the middle ground is ideal. Um, if you're too shy, you're maybe you know you're you're, you're standing back. Um, and not getting involved at all. If you're too much of an extrovert, you're maybe imposing yourself on mm. other people's day. Um, mm. So I just, I just kind of like try and you know float around somewhere in the middle. Mm. And so from that first wedding, you took some confidence from the feedback that you got there. And so is that when you started to set your stall up and try and get more of that kind of work? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so from that wedding, I think uh, I then cast about. Um, and assisted on two weddings, um, you know, for free as a second photographer. But then, you know, beyond that, I kind of thought, well, okay, I, I get it now. I see what people are doing. Mm. Um, and uh, started, I think, you know, charging um, on my fourth wedding. So did you consider other avenues with photography at that point or were you just, you could see the path with the weddings? Yeah, no, it just seemed the obvious path seemed to be the weddings mm, at that okay. point. Yeah. And so from your, uh, I'm curious about transferable skills and if there's anything from your the, the background that we've spoken about with your uh, degree and the writing, what transfers, it really transfers into your shooting? I just, I just think ways of seeing, I think perhaps the fact that I did study cinema um closely so in the sense that you know you can see the way you know um, something is being framed and shot and you can appreciate the work of different cinematographers um, that then there's that just feeds the language of of your head Mm. um, and is assimilated that way I I don't think it's it's, it's, there's any conscious thing it's it's Mm. it's you know just sort of just absorbs so um those early experiences with weddings first of all you're a guest and then -hmm. you're assisting a couple of times yeah when you started to charge and you're the wedding photographer did that did that change the dynamic it for you at all or are you just still just doing doing it the way that you're doing it just i was always doing it the way that i was doing i think it didn't change the dynamic from the the ones i was assisting because i was assisting um Mm. so essentially they're you know they they're the main guys they 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 wanting they're wanting backup photography so i didn't feel a stress to um do what they were doing you know i was um subsidiary to them um and i think the first the first ever wedding i charged for was still friends of friends um so you know they you know i wasn't charging a, a hell of a lot i think it may just have been it was a wedding outside Belfast, so I think I probably all that all that they did was that was paid for the flight and accommodation for that one. So mm. again, there's not that big stress, you know. Mm. You're not suddenly going from from nothing to charging, you know, the big bucks. That mm. they're people that otherwise may or may not even have had a wedding photographer. I started with weddings when I started in business, and. Mm the first ones that you do are friends of friends or your friend's brother or whatever. Mm. And uh, you're doing it like you say for that kind of experience and, and just for the, the trip and stuff. But um, it's still something that 
can't be redone, you know, and uh, there's a certain pressure and uh, an excitement that comes with that, definitely mm. an adrenaline that comes with that, isn't there? Yeah, there is, there is. And, I know, and you know, yeah, I think, um, I mean, I know that I messed up the walking back down the aisle shots on that, that, that very first one. Um, because I had the the sort of the sl the shutters set slow for it was dark church it was you know set slow for the the sort of you know the close up images of the two of them and I'd forgot to change that back for them walking down back mm -hmm. down the aisle and they were all unusable. Um, but one of the things that um, the first guy I assisted said to me is, look, you know, they're basically looking for five to ten really lovely shots from you you know from the from the whole day you know yes they want an album but you know in terms of what they're really going to save either upon the wall or just you know mm. refer back to as their wedding photos it's going to be between five and ten shots and you've got all day for to get that they don't mm. they don't they're not going to care which part of the day it comes from as long as they have them so then suddenly you have you know suddenly that changes everything and you go well i've got eight hours to get ten shots and that that mm. really helped me. That's that was that was I think the best advice I've had. Yeah, that's great advice. That's I think that's fantastic advice for anybody stepping into that uh, yeah. field. Yeah. Um, so, with the wedding industry, I I think um, maybe we've just sort of touched on this, but everything seems to be about uh, there's a sort of perfection narrative, like the standard is going that we're going to provide you for your cake, your mm. catering, your dress mm. is going to be like perfect. Yeah. Uh, your photography and um your shooting style is so kind of quirky and uh some of the shots that you get are are you know there's one where the, the bride is coming down the back steps of the bus and you know and you can see her dress through the back window uh-huh um i can just see this is my fear the <laughs> mother-in-law going but you've cut her head off um and so uh so i would be like second guessing myself all the way with that but you're um how do you sort of i'm just wondering i think i'm getting to the question how do you crack into this sort of perfection narrative when your shooting style is so kind of um authentic and photojournalistic like that do you know what i mean yeah yeah i do know what you mean um i think you just have i think i mean i think the fact is i don't have a, another way of shooting um this it is the way I shoot. Um, had um, um, there's a, a wedding photographer in Dorset called Bella West, um, and she sort of uh, mentored me at the very beginning. And it was almost it was always the sort of you know I take sort of ten shots to her, and she would throw you know eight on the the slash pile and say, mm, that I mean. and the two that. That, that that she would sort of hold on to would be like the grungier ones, um, and she was like, "Well, this is you. This is this is what you do. The rest of you is, is is trying to do a style that, you know, is 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 you know is, is someone else's or is just mm -hmm. inauthentic, and you think you should be doing it." Um, and she said, "Look, I don't, I don't." And and she said at the time, "I don't know if there's a market for this kind of thing in in wedding photography, but this is the kind of photography that this is your photography." Mm. Um, and again, that was you know great advice, and I think it just it just gave me the confidence to be bloody minded. Mm. Um, and it's like, well, I guess I can't do the other stuff. Let's let's see if if the stuff that I can do is sellable. Mm. 
I, I do you feel I, I'm just thinking when you said that maybe a few years ago, maybe not a market for that kind, but I feel like the world has changed so much mm-hmm. and people um, crave authenticity much more than ever before, I think. Yeah. Um, so I would feel like there's much more of an opportunity for that kind of shooting nowadays. Yeah. And I think the, I think the thing to do is have confidence in your own style because, you know, as much as we all want, all want to think that we are completely unique and we're in, you know, we're not. So the chances are, if if, it, if a style, of, you know, um, if you like a particular style, a number of other people will like that style too. Um, so it's a question of, of finding them. Hmm. So um, let's get towards um, the camera in hand kind of stuff. So, hmm. um, yeah, I, what I love about your photography, I, like I've said, the authenticity, realness, intimacy, um, there's a blend I notice and looking through the complete weddings on your site of sort of some classic beautiful shots and then these unexpected and funny offbeat kind of moments mm-hmm. uh, moments um, that happen everywhere but not everybody would shoot them you know so yeah. I feel like you must be actively looking for those moments um, and then trying to get yourself in the right place at the right time and then you've got the camera in hand and you have to do the right thing with the camera once you get there. So I feel like there's sort of observation skills and camera skills, storytelling skills, which maybe cross between the observation and the camera skills. So um, maybe we'll deal with the two sort of things separately. Well, let's talk about your camera gear at the moment and then we we'll go into more of the storytelling side um, after sure. that. So, so what would be your go-to sort of camera and lens combination? Um. So I'm not a particularly I'm not a particular gearhead. Um, so I'm you know I think it seems to me that you know a huge swathe of the, of the wedding industry has gone over to mirrorless. But I'm still shooting with a five D a Canon five D Mark III, which is a big old clunky beast. Mm. Um, but it's a good solid workhorse. Um, again, uh, you know when I started out, I was quite a purist about lenses and they had to be primes. Mm. But I think you know Canon's twenty four to seventy. Uh, Mark II is it? I think is 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 a nice sharp lens. Uh, uh, you know, th- throughout its range. Um, so I have that as the main as the main go to, um, and as a slight you know luxury, I've got a Leica Q, um, which is a fixed twenty eight mil lens, uh, which is lovely outdoors, but kind of a pain indoors so um it's great in natural light but it's horrible in low light uh so those are the two that i I have on me Mm. are you shooting film at times i think i've seen that on your blog um i have shot yeah i'm 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 looking to do that more and more um when i was living in london um all the places that i knew to get film developed were you know wildly prohibitive um, so you'd be looking at f- around about fifty pounds a roll if you, once you've mm. paid for the film and then got it wow. scanned and high res, you know, to, high, high enough to do, to um, deliver. So, which is just insane. So you know, two rolls of film is a hundred pounds, and mm. so there's that eats away at your margin unless you can add it on to the cost. And but but a lot of people, you know, you have to educate people. I think in the terms of what how film differentiates itself from digital. Mm. Uh, so that would be something I'm looking to do more, um, but no, for the moment, for the most part, it's, it's digital. And, mm. Yeah. 
And um, in terms of lighting, have you got um, some flash firing at some point? Uh, purely for the dance floor shots. Mm. Yeah. Um, soon as soon, yeah. I, I kind of I work with low light as long as possible, um, and sometimes that as long as possible just means how receptive people are to it, and often that could be how drunk they are. Mm. You know. Um, because a flash, you, you know, you, you have to, you have to, um, you have to judge the, the the balance between when a flash is just is going to be intrusive, and when it's going to kind of announce itself as kind of like you know the party time that people mm. enjoy and 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 pose for. You know? mm. So I think that you've hit on a good point there. There's a there's a time of day that that balance will tip, and it's yeah. related to um, how many drinks people have had, I guess. It, it is, yeah. I mean, you can. I mean, I've no, you know, I've noticed people that will spend the entire day with a sixth sense for where the camera is, avoiding, mm. avoiding you taking a naturalistic shot that will look lovely, um, and will just dodge it. And then, you know, nine thirty, ten o'clock at night, they're the ones jumping out in front of the the, mm. the, the lens to pose. And so uh, just to get really, really nerdy here, um, I was interested to know about uh, how you're using the camera in terms of the camera modes uh, and the focus modes. Um, I was just uh, I just wondered how you how the best way to be quick, because you have to be quite quick with the, on, on a wedding day, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, during the day, just, uh, you know, it was, it was autofocus, uh, which, you know, which is very reliable. Um, and then in the evenings, I kind of take it off autofocus, but I set, I shoot at you know, um, uh, you know, quite a wide depth of field. So if you, I think if you if you set the the lens to sort of be in focus from about a meter and a half in front of you, um, and you're shooting at f eight f eleven, mm. you know you're going to get most of the action in focus, um, and that way you don't. Some, you don't rely on the camera to find its focus in order for the flash to go off, mm. um, which can have which can happen when it's on autofocus and you and you then miss miss the moment. Mm. That is a photojournalist's way of shooting, I think. F eight mm. and be right in the action. It seems, and I, I I I thought this from looking at the weddings on your site, but there's there's sort of one way of shooting earlier in the day, and almost another way of shooting later in the day. Um, and it's just to capture different kind of vibes, I guess. Would that be right? To an extent, uh, I would still. I'm, I'm still looking to shoot at around at, at f eight, seven point one, six point three, in the day. Um, I'm, I don't like the the sort of soft, focused kind of like dreamy wedding look. I, um, I think it's a bit too yeah, uniform, um, and. It doesn't lend itself to the things going on in the background, you know, mm. brides getting ready and um, all that sort of stuff. So it's it, it's more dictated by, you know, what I can get away with it if they're getting ready in in a low lit room where it is, you know, two point eight or lower, then that will be the shot. But if they're getting ready in a in a in a you know in a, a big room with big windows, then I'll I'll still be trying to shoot with a, a deeper um, you know, yeah, depth of field. Mm. And so, are you working with a second photographer, or are you just on your own there? Just me. Okay, yeah. and then so after the 
after the wedding, what is the expectation? What are you delivering to people? What do people want nowadays? Uh, so less and less it's wedding albums. Um, although I have, you know, the option is always there. And I, you know, I've recently just done an album for someone that um, whose wedding I shot three years ago. It's not like there's a time limit. Um, but people are looking for uh, a, a digital files, you know, um, so I, I deliver them as, you know, password protected online gallery that doesn't delete. Um, so actually doubles as cloud storage, which is quite mm. nice because I have, you know, from a, back in the day, I have had some, you know, bride and grooms kind of going, yeah, we've just moved house and uh, we may have lost our wedding photos, mm. you know. Um, and I've always been able to find them, you know, dig around for them. But, but um that's a kind of a clunky, clunky way to do it these days. It, it's just all on cloud. Mm. And so um, when you go into um, shooting the wedding, are you, is it possible to have images in mind? Because I know like a, um, um, another style of wedding photographer could go in with, they've got, these are the images that they do and that's what people expect. Is it possible for you to have such a game plan in mind or are you really just feeling it in the moment all the way through the day really just feeling i mean i i actually i mean i, I don't want to go in with with preset shots mm. um you know i mean there, there you know there's the, there's the skeleton of the day which will always remain the same which is you know um getting ready getting into the dress probably getting into the car getting out of the car the ceremony you know confetti um, so you have you know, to kind of hit speeches. those marks through you the know, day, yeah, right? Yeah, but you, but they're going to be hit. You know, they mm. are the day. Yeah. Um, but they're not. They're they're not shots. That I, I feel they have to be shot in a certain way. They just have to be captured. Mm. Um, I'm 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 much more interested in finding shots that I haven't shot before, and you know, and that. But I think that that's not a difficult thing, really. It's because it's a live event. Each one. I think if you look at it, and if you look at it in terms of well, it's it's just another wedding, then you may well get back shots that look like just another wedding mm. set of images. But if you're looking, if you're going into it, going well, it's a live chaotic event. This should be fun. There will always be those moments. Mm. So um, you're just antenna are out looking for those moments. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, just um. I'm looking for the interactions between people, and I guess I guess one of the other skills that you have to, you know, maybe work on is or intuit is knowing when someone that you've never met before is sort of is putting on a bit of a performance for his friends, or she's standing in a certain way that you kind of go, well, that's so X Y Z. You know, you've really captured her, and I think that's a question of just kind of like. Just being alive to the moment um, and sensing that sensing those sensing those things in people. Mm. So you, it seems to me that you really do need to be switched on all day, and um, for the way that you're shooting, there's not really the opportunity to sort of coast through and just kind of mm. go through the motions if you're going to deliver what I think people would be expecting from you. Yeah, no, you don't switch off for the entire day. Um, mm. um, even you know yeah no i mean not once it's it's kind of you do wake up the next day with this kind of like with a brain hangover you know mm. absolutely shattered from it mm. 
Um, but satisfied as well. But satisfied, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, and I wouldn't have it any other way. I, I um, people have, you know, you know, I've shot weddings where people have gone, "Oh, come on, look, it's you know, it's late now," and um, you know, I know we pay for you to be here to X Y Z, but you know, put your camera down for a while and have a drink. Mm. And I'll I'll have a drink, but I won't put my camera down. Mm. You know, because it'd be more mm. stressful to me to not get that shot. Yeah. You'll see something happening, and you'll be exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 yeah. Um, okay, this brings us to a fun round, which is called. Uh, this is the first time I'm trying this. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to put reverb on my voice when I say this. High <laughs> contrast. Okay. <laughs> so, and because I was looking through your site, and um, the two weddings that really caught my eye, and they seem to be completely different events. So there's mm. the Whitstable Beach wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know the one I mean? Uh, well, I did. A, there was. I, did, I think I'd, I'd done a few of those. So okay, there's the one that's got this sort of mobility scooter as the headline oh, y- image. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, and the 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 bride has got quite a short dress above the knee. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and it's all very, you know, British quirky kind of seaside town mm. vibe. And the yeah. other one, which you can't help but notice on your website is the uh, Monaco one. Sure. Monte Carlo. Yeah. Completely different um, vibe on those two events. And Mm. I was wondering, you have to shoot these completely different weddings. How do you approach those with equality, if you see what I mean? I mean, what are the parallels between those two different types and styles of weddings? Well, I think I think I think the through line is the is this documentary. You know, you're you're responding on the, on the on one hand to a British seaside event um, with all the sort of you know you know the kind of like the, the quirks um, and idiosyncrasies that that entails, and then on the other hand, you know, you're shooting um, a modesty blaze in Monaco, um, who. Is you know kind of Britain's Dieter von Dies. Um and so yes, you're shooting that with a documentary style, but the documentary is what you're documenting is is a very very glamorous setup. Mm. Um, so you you know it's it's not as if I could impose one style on the other. I can't make Monaco look like a you know British seaside, and I mm. can't make British seaside look like Monaco. Um, you're just you're just responding to events in front of you in in hopefully the most honest um, and authentic way you can. Mm. And so, um, just looking into the Whitstable one, it's got this. You you must know Martin Parr. I mean, it's got that kind yeah. of yeah, yeah. F- feel to the whole thing. Yeah. The commonality is just you being aware, doing your thing. You you're not being intimidated by. Oh my goodness, I'm, this would be me. I'm in Monaco. I'm shooting a a big wedding here. There's a lot of money changing hands all around the place, and I need to make sure I deliver something really good quality. I would be losing sleep for this big time, and with the Whitstable one, I would probably <laughs> my clients won't want to hear this, but um, I'd be like, okay, this is a relaxed kind of event. I'm gonna be yeah. fine, you know. Yeah. Um, are you feeling those pressures as well? And I mean, you are feeling the pressures, but I mean, but at the same time. You know, um, you know, with the Whitstable one, it was a it was a beautiful, you know, sunny day. 
um, lots of characters. Um, with the Monaco one, it was a beautiful sunny day with lots of characters. I mean, you, you know, you, you are aware that there's a different audience for the two weddings. Um, one is local and one is potentially global. Mm. So, but I think that I mean, if you if you stop, if you were to stop and think about that, you you know, you would probably you know, curl up in the corner and and, and you know, rock for half the day. Mm. So, so what? But so what you do is you respond to the adrenaline and the excitement and you know and and you are i mean what an amazing thing to have you know to, to be able to photograph so you may as well enjoy it mm, absolutely okay so this brings us to another round which is a quick fire round mm-hmm. and you're familiar with film cameras so yes i decided to call this I mean, let me know what you think i'm open to changing it but i decided to call this round motor drive and i'm sure. gonna put reverb on that as well um <laughs> So, because it's fast moving, that's my idea. Okay. So, okay. I'll try not to waffle then. <laughs> um, okay, wide angle or telephoto? Wide angle. Fast shutter speed or slow? Fast. Uh, coffee or tea? Coffee. Yeah, it goes with the fast shutter speed. I could see that coming. <laughs> Head or heart? Uh, both. Okay, good. <laughs> what was the last great book movie series or album you experienced? Um, I've just been getting back into the Rolling Stones' Exile on Main Street, and I watched a very good documentary about that. So, mm. and okay. that 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 was obviously filmed by Robert Frank, who uh, was a famous photographer. Mm. Um, I put links in the show notes for these things. Um, expensive lens cloth, or just the corner of your shirt. <laughs> uh, I will have bought an expensive lens cloth, but I won't know where it is, so it'll be the corner of my shirt. Mm, yeah, same. Um, What's a weird thing I could find in your camera bag? Um, probably some random novel that I'm reading um, at the wedding breakfast. And favourite photographer right now? Um, probably right now, Todd Heido. Todd Heido. And so what's he shooting? Uh, I mean, he shoots on film... Um, he landscapes portraiture but he he sort of he puts his books together in the forms of um almost scrapbooks so there's a hodgepodge of style um and mood and and subject matter to them and what do you wish you'd known five years ago uh not to settle my banksy prints <laughs> <laughs> All of us. <laughs> so, uh, what's the one thing you bought thinking it was a good idea, a photography thing, but you've never ever used it? Um, I I I did a wedding in um, Reykjavik one time, and I bought uh, some underwater casing for the Blue Lagoon. Um, and I got there, and the water is completely murky, and mm. I also didn't trust myself to have secured the, the casing properly. Still mm. don't. So still never used it. Yeah, but when you bought it, that you made you were going to go in the water. I was going to get these the amazing the shots. Yeah, half half out of the water, half underneath. Mm-hmm. Beautiful art thing, and I still wouldn't try it now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and when do you feel at peace with the universe? Um, I think what I'm sitting, I'm sitting down reading a reading a good book actually. Good. Okay. Yeah. Um, we we have to say we're recording this in the context of the pandemic and. Uh, usually on certain times for 
anyone creative. So, I mean, I know we touched on this off air, but how do you see things going in the future? Is, that, is it easy to say how things will be or impossible? I, I think impossible. I don't think anyone knows. Um, I don't think anyone knows at all. Yeah, it's the same for me. I mean, it's just, and, and yeah, I think the, the, the government have decided not to support, you know, creative arts type of Across the businesses. Board. Yeah. Which is just seems completely senseless to me because what are we what are, what are we living for if we don't have creative arts, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you and you'll get ministers that will you know, that will quote that that will pepper their speeches with um Shakespeare or the classics mm. um which was art, were you know, which needed to be funded back then. It doesn't you know, it comes from somewhere. So yeah, okay, well uh, we'll wish you all the best. Where can people go to connect with you, support your work, and find out more about what you do? Uh, so my website is nicktuckerphotography.com um, and I have a fairly high-profile Instagram, which is nicktuckerphoto. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are yeah the two main two main spaces. And just to round up, if there was somebody um, listening to this thinking they want to go into the wedding industry, they're interested in that photojournalistic style or whatever style they just naturally comes to them, what mm. would be what would be good advice for them right now? Uh, right now, in terms of the current climate, I mean, I wouldn't dare to give an advice about that. But in terms of just being a photographer. Um, I think it's important to look at as much photography as possible outside of the discipline um, that you're aiming for. So mm. if you're going into wedding photography, look at everything but wedding photo- other wedding photographer- mm. photographers. Um, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, my, my, my inspiration for my kind of like evening photos is, is Larry Fink. Um, who you know shot you know nightclubs and 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 fifties uh, and sixties and the Warhol scene and people like that you know uh, don't I think doesn't help actually I think it's detrimental to look at other wedding photographers if you're a wedding photographer there's a whole world mm-hmm. of of, of, of um, images out there go go to those I think that's great advice um, thanks for your time Nick and uh, your advice and um, all the best thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for asking me. Thanks for listening. I hope you took plenty away from that. Follow Nick on Instagram and check out his website. The link and links to some of the other things we spoke about today are in the show notes. I'd love to connect with you and you can find me at the Viewfinders webpage where you can also get my free ebook, Three Steps to Better Photographs. Again, links in the show notes. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and leave a kind review. That really makes a difference, especially in these early days of the show. And if you're a new listener, why not check out some other episodes? Thanks again. Enjoy your photography. I'll see you out there.